Welcome to FMRPG, the tabletop art role-playing game podcast that doesn't just stick to the surface level, but we try to tackle the serious subjects along the way, have a little fun maybe. I'm Richie Buzzkill, and tonight, and this morning, depending on the time zone, which of the guests we're talking to, uh, we had uh, Noland back again. What's up, Noland? Not much. Doing well. All right. Uh, the, the, the... Uh, Lady Kayla is back uh, from her castle. Uh, what's up, Kayla? Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we've got a special guest, a longtime contributor, <laughs> first time, I believe, on the show, mm-hmm. Ben Rogers. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. And, well, good morning this <laughs> from the UK, at least, and happy Easter as well. Yeah. Well, uh, praise praise zombie Jesus. Um, so uh, yeah, I and I say longtime contributor because you've been one of the the heavy mm. Discord users, um, and I enjoy every time we uh, we we have a chat on the Discord. So, and uh, later on, you're going to be answering probably one of your own questions. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's karma coming around, isn't it? I'm yeah. Sure. Well, it's a, exactly, exactly. So, um, what have you when been RBK playing? Told... Go ahead. Sorry, Dan. No yeah. One? Sorry. When RBK said, "I mean, you want?" I said, "Who?" He said, "Oh no, Morgan from the Discord." I said, "Oh, oh, great." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a story with the handle that goes back quite a few years. So maybe we'll get onto that at some point. Okay. Okay. Um, so what have you been playing lately, Ben? Um, well, we, our regular group, we have a, we're very fortunate. I have a, a weekly group and um, we have been playing, as come to no surprise to anybody who follows my comments and mad rants on the Discord channel. We recently wrapped up a short Fading Suns campaign um, and we've now gone back to one of our old favorites of the Star Wars um, the FFG, or now Edge Studios, Star Wars game. Um, we kind of do a mix of all three games, Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny. So um, we've got a group who are ne'er-do-wells running a ranch on an outer rim planet. So it's not a starship-based game. Um, they're all in the same location, and it's got a different bit of a feel on it. Um, mm. But it's very, very Western um, in style, leaning into those kind of tropes. And a bit of... Um, kurosawa samurai stuff going as well so that's good fun oh yeah that's very nice that's very much a throwback to the origins of of the star wars as a mm. young lucas watched the the excellent movies in his local cinema and uh mm. was able to steal all the plots and mix them together <laughs> and make star wars <laughs> yeah, well, if he did it then why not we do well, the same well, I, I was quoting, I was the great artist steal some of them whole cloth. Uh, so, excellent, excellent. Um, Nolan, what have you been playing lately? Uh, not a whole lot. I've been playing in your Morkborg game. 
Cyborg. Or Cyborg, yeah, Cyborg, sorry. Cyborg game. Uh, After we all got killed, uh, you know, uh, my new... uh, my new fail child is uh, is leading the, the group. I'm I'm sure that can never go wrong. Uh, they yeah. <laughs> well, it was, all, they're it, always sure they have the right plan. And <laughs> right. Well, also the fact that your new character almost got killed by your old character. That's definitely true. <laughs> because the weirdness that is in Cyborg, unlike Morkborg, where the the world ends and you burn the book. When the world ends in Cyborg, you reset the timeline back to the first game. So they, I, I, they, I TPK'd the first uh, player characters, and then they, then we started new characters, and it was all the same world. So they ended up at the same location where the first players got TPK'd. Uh, but not, you know, but they, they shot their, the contact. They didn't shoot the other, the player characters, but, but definitely like the, the eye rolls I could hear through the, the screen was, was, no, it was good. It was good. Pleasing. (laughs) No, we liked it. Yeah. We thought we were making a nice safe delivery and then yeah, gunfire. (laughs) Whole place is under attack and no. (laughs) So, yeah. And, uh, Kayla, what have you been up to? Just the same old, same old with lots and lots of D&D mixed in with some cyborg with you. So we did just wrap up one of the D&D campaigns. So looking forward to seeing where that ends up going next. I think that DM is going to run another D&D session, but this time it like set in the Polynesian Islands. So that'll be a nice change of pace from Icewind Dale, which was cold and depressing and just harsh all around <laughs> a little warmer feel next time yeah. right yeah. like let's go on vacation guys yeah well um i yeah i've been running cyborg um and yeah that's been a lot of fun but i uh we, i've also playing in uh, uh delta green and uh last session um well we basically had a tpk on a train in Ukraine. So like we are trying to transport a, pri- uh, a a prisoner exchange. This is 2016, so it's before the war. But we were trying to prisoner exchange for from our for one of our Delta Green guys for one of the white room Russian spies and uh we got I guess we were not on it, but we were never trained operatives in any way. We were a bunch of computer scientists and like it was very like it was somewhat Call of Cthulhu characters playing being in uh, Delta Green. <laughs> it was like an EPA inspector, a journalist, uh, this kind of computer scientist, and this kind of computer scientist, all acting in a Delta Green scenario. So we aren't exactly train operatives, as it were. Mm. Um, but basically, they. Uh, we we had been made by both sides, and uh, one side started shooting just as the other side started making us all feel sick. And rather than try and have a gun fight with the people that were coming up the train, I decided to jump off the train after our 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 prisoner. <laughs> and uh, there was a after three rolls, there was a fifteen percent chance I was just going to insta die, and. 
I roll a 12. And then my the other character who also jumped off the train with me rolled a 10. So, dead. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to make new characters. I think we're going to continue. We might go, because the journalist got captured... And maybe the EPA got captured, but like he probably should have died just in his sleep. So, uh, yeah. So that's Delta Green, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, and it's kind of gonna be an awkward transition because I got nothing to go to because our topic tonight is talking about uh, superheroes. RPGs and why they're not so popular. You would think with the uh, popularity of superhero comic books, movies, TV shows, and pretty much being trillion do trillion dollar enterprise per year that superheroes would be a much more popular tabletop exercise. And uh, but we've uh, we've been looking around and it's. Uh, it's certainly there. There's many fine RPG uh, tabletop uh, so superheroes games, but uh, not really showing up in the numbers, right, uh, Nolan? Yeah, it's absolutely right. Yeah, I dug up uh, a Roll20 report. They used to do an industry report. Uh, they don't anymore, but uh, back in 2021, uh, the quarter four report you know, listed all the you know, breakout of all the games on Roll. Uh, 20 and it's like shockingly low 0.44 percent of them are things i categorize as uh real true superheroes there's a bunch of stuff in here like of course rule 20 when you assign your campaign or whatever you can put it as like uncategorized or custom system or you know uh some of these other things so uh, there may be some of that that's super stuff although some of that may also be just more D&D or something like that, right? Uh, but, uh, and some people may be using more generic systems like Fate or GURPS to play supers, but things that are clearly supers are like less than half a percent according to uh, what shows up on here. And, you know, the majority of that is Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, you got Marvel Heroic, um, Hero yeah. Systems Champion stuff, that kind of thing are the big ones there but but it, it, i mean it's the same thing with i mean i tried to talk i tried to contact roll uh roll uh, drive through rpg to ask mm -hmm. them but they were unwilling to give any statistics in any way or even without numbers uh and i think the roll 20 going behind the curtain sort of has something to do with their partnership um but yeah, uh I, go ahead yeah the thing What's interesting here is, uh, you know, uh, other genres that aren't, you know, obviously D and D's and all kinds of fantasy is like the vast majority of stuff on here. But other, you know, genres are not hard to find on here. Like, or like Call of Cthulhu is like ten percent of all games on, you know, Roll Twenty. And there's a bunch of other horror games on here, so uh, I can pick out. And you know, definitely sci-fi is well represented on here uh you know uh, starfinder is one of the early ones right so um it's surprising to me that you know we don't see more supers 
again, given how popular they are in media and how popular they've been for a long time. Well, um, let's talk about, because we've all played superhero RPGs at one point or another. And, and, you know, that I think that somewhat belies, you know, this number I feel like is way lower than I would have even, even expected. But uh, Ben, one of the reasons I brought Ben on is because he was talking about his Marvel superhero ga- uh, games. But oh. I know he's into Aberrant and a couple other things. So, Ben, what is your kind of history with uh, superhero RPGs? Um. Well, it kind of goes back, I think it, it comes back to, as a kid, age four, um, I was into the the Batman, uh, the, the 60s Batman series, the Incredible Hulk TV show, um, the uh, Super Friends cartoon, all of that saturated tiny brain. And so I was a huge superheroes fan from tiny age. And so... After I'd started to get into RPGs and I got, I, um, I picked up Imagine Magazine and there was a one page, there was a one page spread advert of um, the Marvel Superheroes RPG, uh, the original, they call it the face rip system, face rip being the characteristics, fighting agility, strength, endurance, reason, intuition and psyche. And I still remember it all. Nice. Um, and that was kind of another light went on. It was like, oh, you can do supers with this with this hobby. Oh, great! But it took a while to actually track down and get a copy of, of the face rip game. Um, and from then, I kind of always did superhero gaming. I mean, I ran a game last weekend for the first time in ages of, of Marvel superheroes. And I think, from my perspective, I think a part of it is why it's not or why it wasn't bedded into the industry for a long time was that it was seen as kid stuff and a lot of the hobby always seemed to be trying to get away trying to be mature trying to be more adult this is a serious hobby we're not just playing pretend and i think that particularly it's only been in the last sort of decade really that superheroes have become that bit more mainstream and i think they've always seen as somewhat childish in a way and i think that that's part of why there is a kind of reticence to the industry basically grabbing onto it because superhero games at their root it's power fantasy in its literal form you are superheroes you can do the amazing things you can you know save the world you can rescue the kitty from the tree you know but it's it hasn't kind of separated from that childhood route to a certain extent and i think that it's always been playing catch-up because of that yeah and uh well i let's I'll ask kayla kayla you've played some superhero rpgs these are some wonderful points we're getting back to those the puzzle <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I've I've played masks. Um, that's like my experience with the superhero, which is the powered by the apocalypse superhero genre, where like it's kind of geared towards you are playing younger people. Like that's the idea, right? You're in like high school, probably. It's more of like the coming of age tale of how do you like 
navigate your superpowers and also like your social responsibilities and that sort of thing. So um, it almost kind of reflects what Ben's saying there of like definitely geared more towards like this younger idea. But what when you brought up or when we started talking about this topic in general, it was just kind of like serendipitous that I was putting together a talk on like why it's important for like us to recognize the uh, cultural importance of superheroes anyways, because mm. from like the therapy side of things. So like I'd already been pulling numbers and yeah, like it's crazy to think that it is so popular in other formats, right? So like we can see like Publishers Weekly reports on comic book sales and see how much that substantially jumped even in like 2021 from, um, I don't know if that was like pandemic impacted, but like from 2019 to 2021, it jumped 70%. Um, so yeah, they were like, I think that they were reporting like $2.075 billion of revenue from that. So people are reading comics for sure. Um, not granted, that includes more than just superheroes, right? There's comics on many other things, but um, heavily, heavily superhero <laughs> focus. And then, like, we look at Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jeez, oh, Pete, like, that thing is just a giant. Um, I think I was looking at the Harvard Business Review, and that was, like, just reporting 2019 numbers. So they're a little behind the the times with that those number reporting but like of the 22 movies that were out in that time period they had grossed over 17 billion and averaged 64 nominations for awards per movie mm. so 22 movies times 17 billion dollars is a lot of money that those things are pulling in so there's clearly like that demand and popularity so it's interesting to me because like we see adults engaging clearly engaging with the comic book realm and with the like Marvel Cinematic Universe and like I'm sure television shows and DC comics can like also come into that uh that talk as well but like it then we we go back to Nolan's point of like just 0 0.4 percent or something yeah. I'm like Oof, that's interesting that we're we're seeing such big popularity over in these realms and just like such a tiny little bit yeah. in the role playing realm. Yeah, and and it there's you know I think masks uh, subtitle is mask the next generation, right? uh, the so new a, generation, the new generation. So mm -hmm. it's about the kind of legacy characters or the the characters that are coming up after superheroes are established or whatever. And we'll get, we'll get deeply into masks, I'm sure eventually. Um, but uh, Nolan, what, what have you played in the superhero genre? Well, I played a few things uh, long, long ago in high school. Also the Marvel, the old TSR Marvel phase rip, the advanced one, this was in, this would have been in, you know, uh, the late nineties, <laughs> 90, late nineties, 94 to, you know, like, uh, you know, 97, sometime in there. Uh, I think you even in high school played yeah. in one of my... <laughs> yes, I did Marvel. indeed play in a, in a random mutant. Uh, it was mutant high school. We were playing random mutants. And somehow, unlike every other random mutant in Marvel Superhero Phase Rip, 
uh, I actually got like two or three powers that were about water, so yeah. I was on the swim team. So yeah, the like, ultimate powers guy. Yeah, if, if your powers, guys, <laughs> guys, if your powers aren't completely random, you are not playing face rip. Right. Come on. Well, I, I, I just ran. <laughs> I, I was I was really lucky. I was really lucky to roll it. I I well, promise agreed, you, yeah. everyone else was terrible. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was half the fun was coming up with what your theme is now that you have this bizarre collection of, you know, the ability to make, generate radiation and, like, fly and other happen as another thing that didn't make any sense. Uh, but, yeah, the Ultimate Power Source book had that enormous table of, like, all the powers in the original book plus the ones in the extensions, and you just, like, <laughs> rolled on this giant table. <laughs> what kind of mutant you were? What kind of superhero you were? How did you get your powers? Well... A lot of fun. Um, somewhere in the middle there, uh, during the kind of Forge era, I played a, a Supers game called Capes. That's kind of a, a GMless thing. I think it's actually still in print, kind of, oh. uh, from Indie Press Revolution. But that's kind of a, you know, Forge GMless kind of uh, scene setting uh, kind of game like that. And, of course, I've played Masks. So that's probably the vast majority i mean i i've definitely sat in a champions game at a con at one point but you know <laughs> uh, i'm sorry not, i mean uh, I, I don't know but that's what that the reputation of champions is not the best but yeah know, those guys were real like, mad i didn't have a character because they were there to like do <laughs> oh they were they yeah. were there to really power game okay yeah they were there to, they, they knew it and like they knew no one else in the world liked it except them and they were there to, they were there to play right. i was not helping them yeah. I, I tried to have a good time I'm they were yeah. just not not encouraging to me right i played phase rip i played masks and i also ran and we talked about it on the show before hit the streets and defend the block which uh was you know a little indie story game um we had a lot of fun with this uh kind of like there's there's some randomness but it's also like you know kind of make the story up as you go so and you're supposed to be in this low area and you're supposed to defend lower end uh part of the city and you defend it because you live there right um but yeah i think that's kind of weird that I, and it was like i was like oh i should look at my shelves and see what else i have and i'm like man i don't have a lot and that that's weird because i love superheroes i mean you know i'm much to the chagrin of people that think that they're uh they're trashy movies i watch most of the marvel movies i watch you know most of the marvel shows uh i don't watch any of the dc uh shows but those are not for me <laughs> so <laughs> uh but yeah i think i think it does i think as ben was saying like i think part of this has got to be kind of that like the first role-playing game a lot of people play is like i'm superman no i'm batman no i'm superman uh which should be thy next uh itch uh, release. I think I should just I should just write that, <laughs> just to see if I can get a DC takedown letter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what the kids play: cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, and superheroes. Right? That's like the backyard. Or at least when I was a kid, that's what we played in the backyard. 
right? I mean, and I think that's I think that's it. I mean, you I don't know if you can see, but there, there's shelves of superheroes games here, all of which I've played it and run at least once. And that perhaps you know I'm still a man child, but it's I think it is a thing that there is almost a there's kind of a conception that that is a childish game whereas you get something like you know D&D or even you know Scum and Villainy or a science traveler or a science fiction game there is a kind of implicit this isn't what I used to do this is you know there is mainstream media books movies etc which for years has catered for adults in this space and you know there, there is a a perception that superheroes there's geeky costumes there's there's an atmosphere around it that i think puts people off or that just doesn't occur to them i don't even necessarily think it's kind of a a malicious thing of a you know looking down on that part of the hobby i think it's just something that people don't necessarily associate superheroes with tabletop role-playing instinctively because that's not what they're familiar with that's not the big names that's not how they're introduced to it um and yeah, I mean, look at last year when the Marvel announced their new role-playing system, which comes out later this year. The how popular the playtest document was for that. Now, I can argue the merits or the lack of merits of the system, but there was a huge interest in that. And I think when that gets released later this year, we could see that topping the charts for a while because. It's it's the big name. I th- I think you're you you might be you're probably right, but I also just reading that playtest document because I of course downloaded it as well. Like it was not good. Oh, like, it's awful at, at all. Like it was oh, like it's dreadful. It made me want to go like play any other Marvel game, and there were some Marvel games that were better and worse over the years. So like like it was like oh it's a chart of palooza like but not in a fun way like the phase rip games so like mm. it, and it may be down to i mean yeah i think that the the like people childish uh thought you know people think superhero role playing is childish because that's what they played when they were kids but also like it may just be we're waiting for the right game to come around you know, it's like that that right moment for this thing mm. to explode and become a thing. Or it could also be that the 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 uh, power fantasy genre, which is what you you know, very much that's what superheroes is been taken by D and D. So what else does superheroes come give you, right? I don't know. I think that like part of it also goes into, you know, D&D did pretty good at cornering the market. So like I talked to adults who really struggle to find gaming groups in general anyways. And so if they can get into a Dungeons and Dragons gaming group, which is, again, like the most popular right now. So um, easier to find than that. That's kind of like getting pigeonholed right away. But I think Ben definitely brings up a good point there of like one of the harder things for getting especially adults into like the tabletop role playing games, especially if they are 
new to the genre or new to like this type of play is getting past that that idea of permission to play right because us as adults feel weird just Mm -hmm. like studies show we feel weird when it comes to play like there's a lot of of research into like why that is and like feeling like we need to justify our playtime as like a productive thing right Mm. so like feeling like oh i play i'm gonna go play football with the guys because you know that's good for my health or i'm gonna like run around on the soccer field because it's good for my health um or i'm gonna like sit down and play video games with my kid because it's with my kid right So adults kind of like have this weird need to justify their play already. And I wonder how much harder it is for their brains to justify, like, not only am I going to sit down and play this like tabletop role playing game that already like requires me to feel a little like maybe strange in engaging with the improv and trying on this new character, but also like now you're asking me to go back to like, my my younger years of like not i'm gonna try on this character who's also a superhero or like if you're in masks a superhero who's a teenager and like that may be playing into that permission to play may be playing into it a little bit mm-hmm. i think that's a really valid point i think that one of the things i think we, we've mentioned masks a couple of times i think that masks almost comes in rather than from a superhero's aspect it's coming from the kind of kids on bikes type genre and it's almost there it's playing on the nostalgia of playing you you know playing a younger character you know you're the trials of being a teenager and you're a superhero you know that that's the kind of like kids on brooms kind of let's put or even um, things from the flood and things from the loop let's put the genre aspect on it so it's not just you riding around on a bike with with your mates that it's you know there's an element of the supernatural the the wondrous there but it's still kind of almost the teen angst aspect of it fighting injustice element of superheroes and i think that again that's possibly part of the thing that has been a stumbling block for people playing superheroes games is almost the concept that it's a very clear morality that it's you know white hats versus black hats good guys versus bad guys whereas a lot of other rpgs the majority of other rpgs the ethics and the morality are much more granular you know the the cliche the dnd party of the murder hobos you know one of the most you know the most popular of the current star wars rpgs is edge of the empire where you're playing scum and villainy you're playing smugglers you're playing the underworld that's you know the hyper violent kind of thing that you get in a lot of role-playing games you don't see super primarily killing people yes that kind of ethical or moral clarity in that genre i think sometimes sometimes might feel stifling to some people who are used to playing you know where they can just you know threaten kill stuff because a lot of it in those 
in those RPGs carries a penalty. You do those kind of things. There is a morality built into the system, karma in the classic um, Marvel game. Um, and I think there was villain points, hero points in Mayfair's DC. It's been a long time since I ran that one. But, you know, that structure um, is one that, uh, you know, can often feel to people who are used to just almost, you know, playing what they want to play, can sort of be a bit off-putting or limiting and shackling. Yeah, when you when you uh, have the modern world, right? So the, the the layers of separation between you stabbing a cobalt in some sort of mid medieval pseudo weird fantasy world versus okay, I'm playing Speedy McSpeederson and I'm going to run through a person because I'm just that kind of murder hobo player. It, it like you know the layers of separation between you and the thing you're doing are much less and and a lot of people you know like the karma points i could i love the idea of the karma points but it may actually have hurt the game because it's like intrinsically rain t- telling the game master to rein in the players from behavior that you know as teenagers or younger people just do because it's fun like i'm just gonna punch through this guy's head into another guy's head and it becomes the boys right but it's is that intrinsically i mean it's not marvel superheroes but it's some other kind of superheroes right Right, but But that's the face rip is emulating uh older comics right where that kind of where the comic codes enforced and this you know that kind of stuff doesn't happen and mm. you know we're playing you and learn rbk are playing it just in the 90s just as all the grim and gritty superhero stuff is coming in so that's not like what you emulate you know <laughs> yet it's not uh so that's maybe why it's got that kind of morality tone into it because that's literally the genre they were emulating had that morality baked into it right but i think that um I mean, there's one thing I will often say when I'm running an R- a Super's RPG is, you know, are we doing a Comics Code Authority RPG uh, setting or not? Because, right. you know, that, I mean, for a start, that will help you choose a system to use. But also, you know, you know the framing. And you can change, as a GM, you can change things like the karma penalties. You can put a different scale on it, etc. But I think that the mechanics of it aside, I think there is that kind of perception that, you know, we will be playing do-gooders. There, there is that kind of thing. The heroes that heroes are a certain cliche. And I think that that sometimes, obviously it's an opinion and a sweeping statement here, but I think that sometimes that is the thing that puts people off a little bit, that, that you know, that, am I, oh, am I going to have to be a hero? You know, and I think that's where, you know, Aberrant worked beautifully to create a setting where it wasn't initially first edition Aberrant particularly, you're not playing superheroes you're playing people with superpowers and that will be the whole game some of those will wear costumes and they will defend a city or a nation or you know some will you know go off into the cosmos and explore strange new worlds and others will just be really really good at what they always did and they'll be a phenomenal superpowered chef or a phenomenal superpowered lawyer or whatever but and then the story is about how do those superpowers affect society how does that change the way we look at things and 
that's a much more kind of mature uh, way to address it. And it, le- it leans into things like Watchmen, the TV show Heroes, um, the uh, the boys as well, to a certain extent. And the, th- the thing is, though, that that, because it is a unique and sort of more mature proposition, the people who came at it wanting a superheroes game kind of went, uh, you know, what's this? What am I meant to do with it? And other people who are looking to address those mature themes and those philosophical questions and ethical questions in RPGs are already looking at things like, you know, the World of Darkness games or, you know, other things which have got a modern day mature theme. And it's like, do I want to mix superheroes in with this? Do I really? And it becomes harder for those groups to intersect and relate to. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it is showing a maturing change in a way superhero media is presented we, i mean we mentioned the boys we mentioned the marvel cinematic universe D, the cw shows for dc they're all trying to put adult mature or more reason relatable themes to that superhero so we are getting a you know a spread in the genre but the games just don't seem to be kind of keeping up with that or at least being kind of cresting that wave of that popularity and i think Part of it is that kind of, you know, supers are, why, why should supers be for me? Why should I take what I'm playing off the table and put this on it? Yeah, yeah. And I remember when the when Aberrant came out, I definitely bought it and, like, digested it and wanted to play it and could not. I mean, we might have played it, but it was not a super memorable game. But, like, trying to get other people interested in that game at that time, at the at late 90s, early 2000s, was pretty difficult. I think if Aberrant had come out today, I think it we'd be more ready for it. I know there's still printing some Aberrant stuff and maybe a second edition, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, second but, edition. But once it's not no longer a fresh idea, <laughs> then you have to start working on the nostalgia and it's a hell of a drug, right? But Hero or, uh, Masks is like kind of a CW show, right? It's all about emotions and it's it's about the like it's about these the interplay of the relationships and lives and that's also kind of that same thing where it doesn't balance those classical superhero genre fans who want the beat 'em up and I kind of think of two different kinds of superhero play, right? Which is like the emotions and the relationships and then you have that affecting the fight and that's what may or may not let you win the battle aka like a lot of super uh, spider-man right or the more punch him up beat him up superman style uh game right so and and i would say from games that i've run in the past there's that almost you kind of fit into that that niche quite quickly um the longest campaigns I've run of Marvel, of DC, etc., have been ones which are, you know, they're about the people, they're about the characters, and the, you know, the fights that you have with the villains are kind of the, the punch points between them, that, you know, but it's more about the development of the characters and their relationships. When you look at long-running comic books, that's what keeps the good comic books going. Whereas then you get the other category, which is 
literal fight books. You know, it is two characters pummeling each other and it's, you know, smashing through walls. The, I mean, the Marvel two-in-ones that, that were done in the 70s and 80s where it was just normally two superheroes fighting against each other, Hulk versus the Thing for 32 pages, just smashing each other. And that can be an awful lot of fun, but it's going to be very short term in terms of what you can do in the narrative because it is just going to be fight, 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 fight. So yeah, we yeah. talked about uh, Go ahead. Uh, we talked about maturity and so forth. Can I toss in a couple other maybe contributing factors? Of maybe hold. Uh, in fact, one is kind of probably uninteresting and not to, uh, to talk about, which is just straight up licensing, right? Like people want to play the superheroes. You know, there's a legal issue, right? People want to play the superheroes they know and love or at least in the same world as them. And, you know, why aren't we playing Marvel Phase Rip today? Well, because Marvel decided to publish their own comic books and fuck over their <laughs> license deal with, I mean, Marvel. Uh, TSR decided to publish their own comic books and fuck over their licensing deal with Marvel for no good reason at all. Um, and so they got their license pulled, right? And then these games tend to often have, you know, they get a license, you know, they can only afford it for so many years and then it just mm. shrivels up and then the game isn't supported anymore. So that may be holding back. Another thing that occurred to me was D&D does a great job and a lot of the other fantasy games do a great job of doing the zero to hero dopamine treadmill, right? Where you start off as, you know, a villager or whatever and mm. get better and better. Mm. And every day you're looking at your character like, oh, I'll be sixth level and then I'll have this spell or whatever. Whereas superheroes, you know, they start off fully juiced up usually, or at least, you know, most of the way. Uh, different games have different ways of dealing with this, but uh, I think if people play a superhero game and their starting superhero is weak, they don't love that. And if they're powerful, then they don't have the dopamine treadmill, right? So, yeah, I don't know if that's an, an interesting thing to think about as well. Yeah, and I, from personal experience, a lot of times people would get that kind of variation in power because because it's not just a case of the dopamine hit of you know of increasing in power because you can get that from sort of almost just you know succeeding in missions and and, and defeating the bad guy and doing that, but there is that element of having new toys to play with of the thing of. I, you know, I've got this feat, I've got this new spell, I've got this new weapon or whatever. And you don't, you do get an element of that in superhero RPGs. But often it's, it's more of a case of you might, your powers might shift or change. And it's that classic cliche of, you know, come back in the next issue with a new costume and a new set of powers kind of thing. But I think that from my experience running long-term RPG, long-term Marvel campaigns and aberrant campaigns multiple years that players will just rotate and change characters to get that hit and so you'll get this kind of like well you know it's we used to kind of joke about it when we were teenagers that it was like whatever character appeared in the comics as a new launch character you'd almost get within the next couple of weeks someone would come to the table with look i've got this character who's you know not ghost rider <laughs> with the numbers filed off not punisher you know um and so there's there's almost like that and but again if you accept that rotating cast that can be part of the trope of 
of the comic book that can feel quite um in keeping with the genre because you know the books do rotate cast members because you know they want to sell more merch or they want to support a struggling title by bringing a character in from another book or whatever it is so you can almost have a nodding knowing sort of wink to it and and play with it but yeah it is absolutely a thing that you know there isn't most superheroes land on the page as a fully formed this is what they're like and yes you can there are systems that do that that, that you can mature you can start with your like junior new mutant or teen titan character and watch them mature through the game kind of thing but it is you know it, it is it isn't the norm um and and absolutely that that is a thing and i think we mentioned earlier about you know D D is the power fantasy a lot of fantasy games i'm thinking of the age of sigmar rpg soulbound i'm thinking of exalted i'm thinking D D. Your characters are superheroes. Yes, they're in a medieval faux setting, but they've got superpowers, whether it's feats or spells or charms or, um, or vampire, whatever it might right? be. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is that kind of. I am playing a superhuman, and some of those some of those worlds could be, you know, superhero comics. I'm thinking of DC's Warlord um, was a fantasy thing. Um, Red the, Sonia, uh, Conan. Yeah. These are big yeah. comics, really, relatively. But the 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 thing that that strikes me is, um, in a lot of comics, like you will have like Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl hanging out with the Avengers, right? There, oh, you'll yeah. you'll have like the super low powered and the super high power like hanging out, and and this is super hard to do on the fly at the table is to plan out. Okay, I got Squirrel Girl and I got Iron Man, right? And they've got to go do a thing, right? For whatever reason. Like trying to plan out something who, you know, because clearly Iron Man's going to get killed and then Squirrel Girl's going to save the day because that's how Squirrel Girl's story goes, right? But it's really difficult to uh, get that kind of like, if you have all these varying super, I mean, like, there's a very, while fantasy games, it's you do get to that superhero stage right like above like 10th level or whatever uh it's superheroes the, it's very easy to like go well all these powers are focused in one direction right mm-hmm. but if you have these disparate random superpowers all over the place you it's very difficult to plan for that right you have to be very good at improving some things if you want to try and like you got different power levels and you got different power types and like, and, and, and it's, yeah, go yeah, ahead. It, it's, it's what our gaming group um, tend, tended to refer to. The cliche we had was who wants to play Hawkeye? Because it's, you know, it, it's, a, wow, you've got arrows. Great. Um, but it is a case of, you know, there's an element of, you can talk about scenario design. You can talk about, you know, making sure that, Yes, you might be the Hawkeye in the group of Thor, Hulk, and Iron Man, but you know, making sure you've got you're good at the thing you do. Um, but it, it is again, systems handle it differently. I've not found one that handles it well. It has to really a lot of that heavy lifting 
sits on the shoulders of the GM to manage it. And also, to a certain extent, to the players to make sure that they're co- conscious around the table of making sure that everybody gets equal screen time. And yes, you know, Thor could lightning bolt that bloke off the off the top of the building, but this would be a good time for Hawkeye to do that while Thor does something else, you know. And, and it, again, that is part of possibly what put some people off because it is a it is a different type of or it is something you have to be conscious of cognizant of when you when you're running the games yeah and i think that the the games that do the kind of framing the best generally like group all the heroes into one frame right Mm -hmm. so like hit this hit the streets defend the block you're all street level heroes right you're all like daredevil and luke cage and and jessica jones and that sort of like street level like yeah they're super powerful but they're also like gonna go to their job afterwards right (laughs) or they have some kind of system where it's like oh if you want street level heroes here's your point by to start and if you want you know mid-tier heroes here's your point by but the problem with that is and that's um dc do DC games used to do it that way, so you'd have a tier of character. Um, the new Marvel system has a tier of character, but they've got a mechanic where you can mix different tiers in one group, which doesn't work, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is that even within tiers, and taking Aberrant as an example, where you've got the same kind of point by to begin with, the powers and the mix of powers that you have are not created equal. Even if you've got, you know, a wonderful connection of this is a level three power, level two power, whatever, combinations of those and combinations of things, you know, can make characters who are equivalent as far as the system's concerned, widely different in their utility and their capability. And it also comes down to the old classic issue that we used to have playing mage back in the day of people who know a bit of science and a bit of understanding can use the mage spheres to do a whole whole of shit that you weren't expecting and it's the same with superpowers creative players who know a superpower know you know what they could capable of can do also it, it was often the same with if you're playing published heroes in marvel there was always a thing of if a character has done it in the comic then you know it will be you know it's lower difficulty or they've, they've got that capability you know those who've read up could do all sorts of stuff with their characters the the powers that superman has shown in the comics that you can cite as things he can do it's amazing but it's you know it, it is it is a problem with parity even with those mechanically balanced inverted commas systems but it's also let's think of it as a positive it's also a huge creative opportunity for players to completely get mad with stuff that they can do and that's great on the table you know but it's making sure that everyone on the table buys into it and understands it and is happy to kind of contribute and go with it and understand that you know they're going to have their limelight but it might not be every time yeah yeah Go ahead, Kelly. I, I was just going to say, like, the creativity piece, like, just having this conversation has got me thinking of, like, different comics and stuff and, like, how, you know, the backgrounds, maybe maybe as, like, a character 
when I'm playing superheroes again or looking at that, like maybe building out my background to have some of those like interesting points like Spider Gwen and her grief or her concern over like basically leading to the death of Peter Parker. <laughs> like you've basically killed your best friend. Um, how does that impact your decision making as a superhero? Like you may have some questionable like relationship with your superpowers or even like marvel introducing you know the the universe rips right like mm. if if you're wanting to try out different superheroes maybe that's a good like in universe like 62 this is where this is taking place but like the time rips open or, or the the universe rips open and you've got a portal to this nether like universe 49 and so everyone's over there playing different superheroes because the superheroes are different in that universe versus the one that you're in. So I think there's a lot of different creativity that you can certainly pull in that I felt when I was playing um, like masks again is like my point of reference here. It just kind of like after several sessions of playing just started to feel flat. Like we weren't like going to be able to make this into a longer thing. Yeah. And I think, for me, I mean, I uh, i think I've said on the Discord before, you know, although I started role-playing playing other games, when I found the Marvel Super Heroes RPG, that was the main game that we played and ran in our group for years. And yes, I played other stuff, but it was that was an ongoing campaign that ran and ran and ran. And then after a break, when people came back from college and university, different Marvel system, but it was the continuity, it was the same campaign that picked up afterwards. And so most of my Marvel playing through all the different um, through all the different dice systems, rule systems, card systems, has been the same continuity of campaign. But about you know, five, ten years ago, I just reached saturation point. I just reached a point where it's just like, this is just like an ongoing comic that's been running 600 plus issues and it's just like i have to take a break from this and i think i mean that's that's probably the same with with any type of campaign but i think that i think i got very jaded by superheroes of and it was almost that thing of and this might be a con again a contributing factor to why superhero games don't take off so well is because it's so supers are so formulaic when you see the big budget movies or you see the tv shows or you see an ongoing comic the themes repeat the it's the terrible kind of cliche with marvel and dc is that you know when superman died everyone knew he'd be back in a year because you don't kill off the headliner like that you, you know that it's just a storyline it's just an arc in recent years when captain america was an agent revealed as an agent of hydra everyone you know hit mainstream news outlets but everyone in the comics industry was just waiting with a ticking clock waiting for it to be revealed that it actually wasn't or you know it's a clone it's a robot it's a you know whatever it is it's a double double agent plot whatever because it has to return back to the standard form it has to come back to the you know what sells the lunch boxes and the and the posters and and that static status quo and i think that that is also a factor that puts a lot of people off because it's like you know it's just 
the same it's just going to go back to normal it's you know returns back and there isn't change there isn't progress there isn't long-term development and i think that you can absolutely buck that trend in your own campaigns and on your own tabletops but that's not how the form is presented that's not the tropes that's not the the thing that people see and i think that that was part of just what stopped me running mar- running supers for a long time it's just i was kind of like it's just the meat grind it's just the same old same old same old all the time right and i think that you know there's a lot of uh to be said about like superheroes being agents of the status quo mm. like they're they're you know oftentimes the villains and superhero stories are people that are trying to change something and it probably is for the worse like Oftentimes the villains are not sympathetic in any way, shape, or form, but they are trying to change things, and the superheroes are like, no, 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 you're not, right? Even when maybe the supervillains have a point (laughs) that maybe they're right, oftentimes the hero is the one that's shutting them down, right? So you don't get, like, the, the opportunity to, like, kind of overthrow a kingdom or, you know, or make, sh- you know, the, 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 the chain, you're not change agents so much as like status quo keepers. And that can often be quite difficult, but, um, you can just say superheroes are cops. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you could, there, there is a school of thought that superheroes are fascists. Like there is t- straight up as superheroes are fascist school of thought, but I don't, I think that's a little tiny bit of a stretch, except for you know Superman, right. Superman, in a lot of comics. But <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Sorry, uh, Judge Dredd. But I mean, he's not well, a yeah, hero, but, but yeah, he, he's a comic he's book a character. But he's not he's a, a comic book. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. You know, there is a difference between role playing comic book characters and role playing superheroes as well. Because I think that that's the other thing I would say that some of that uptake on superhero um, uptake on comic readership is because adults are kind of buying into the fact that you know other cultures have had for some time you think of um european comics and asian comics korean and chinese uh, korean hong kong and um japanese comics have always appealed to every sector of society it's comics about everything and i think that you know british and american audiences are kind of picking up on that now that you can have a comic book about emotions and feelings and other things to make it a mature comic and i think that that's part of where the comic book uptake is yes superheroes will always be a big percentage of that but and i i think that you know we are talking here about you know costume supers as or and even if the costume is a trench coat and a and an oversized gun thank you rob Liefeld. but you know it's (laughs) (laughs) it's you know, it is supers that we're talking about specifically, and and I think that yeah, it's they they are. I mean, for an example, when I ran the um, Marvel Civil War story um, that was done as a campaign book for the Marvel Cortex system that Margaret Weiss Productions did, which is a great system for superheroes, we had trouble with it as a group, I think, because. There was no good side. You know, both the sides of that argument about whether supers should be regulated or not, neither side 
was comfortable for us as a, as a group of players because it was kind of you know there, there was we know we knew there was going to be a re, sort of the status quo was going to be restored and everything else you know and it became quite difficult to play that as a to invest in that as a campaign because no matter which side you were on it didn't really didn't really sit right it didn't it, it didn't feel like something that we could play enjoyably uh, other than just getting down to fighting people which you know there's a certain fun in just punching bad guys yeah i mean it was like one side was trying to make things more fascist the other side was trying to reset the the status quo and it was like well eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, anyways a lovely conversation we've been having here i'd like to everybody if you have a, a final thought or something you haven't gotten to let's get to that so let's start with kayla and kind of come back around and uh then we can get to the last question hmm. my final thought is this has given me a lot of creative ideas i'm gonna have to figure out which system to incorporate them in though right and maybe that's a whole nother episode of fmrpg oh, yeah. <laughs> Nolan? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything more. Okay, Thanks. all right. Ben? Um, I think, unfortunately for my players, I think this has reignited what's good about Supers for me. So, um, sorry, guys. Um, you know, <laughs> Star Wars might be on a limited run. Um, no, in all seriousness, yeah, it... It, it takes something like this to kind of refresh the clock sometimes and to think about it. But there is an awful, as Kayla says, there's an awful lot you could do. And I think if you haven't looked at a superhero game, um, by all means, hit me up on Discord and we can talk systems. But if you think about it from what makes superheroes good, you know, that fact of there is a bit of, you know, players enjoy the power. Yeah, great. There's a power kick. But when they're at their best superhero stories are about the people and about the relationships and how the power impacts on them you know that cliche with great power comes great responsibility but what does that actually mean think about that as just a role-playing motivation um there's an awful lot of great stories you can tell with a superhero genre whether you use a superhero role-playing system or you you know you just have a a wizard sorcerer a magic user based campaign in D&D where everybody's a spellcaster and you it's superheroes just in a fantasy setting there's an awful lot of great stories you can tell yeah I, and I think you're right I think there's this is to me while there's been some great games I think this is somewhat of an untapped well someone's mm -hmm. gonna crack this and it's gonna explode and this is like a time bomb waiting to happen I mean I love we didn't mention, but I love uh, Tiny Supers. That's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It's very streamlined. It may be the, you know, it just hasn't got enough exposure. Like, but there's got to be a way to, 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 to capture this Promethean fire of superheroes on the tabletop and have fun. But it may be that you have to have different games for different things, and it may diffuse, but it's got to be better than... Point four of the market or whatever um i'm sure it's even better than that but uh it it seems to rate quite low but anyway ben do you have your d20 i have my d20 all right i want you to roll and tell me the number and we'll ask the last question 
uh, likely by the length of this list and who contributed questions, you're going to be asking yourself a question. So this is even better. Okay, I've got a 10. A 10, oh, a yes. Table. Um, this is, uh, yes, by the great Morden Crimson. Oh, I'll <laughs> him again. That, that guy. <laughs> um, if you have a great idea for a campaign, but your players don't seem to be keen apart from finding another group, what are good ways to sell the ideas to your group or getting their buy-in? Right. Um, thumb screws. Um, <laughs> hot matches under fingernails. No. I Geneva I Convention say, legal ways of getting this door. Oh, oh BK. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think... And this... Okay, let's relate this to superheroes in a way. Because, you know... You, you've got to get people's buy-in conceptually somehow. And so you, you've kind of got to... I think you have to try and find the things that they like and work around it. Do you remember when you read that book? That was fun, wasn't it? How about, you know, we do that? Or, you know, all my, <laughs> I think my players would probably say that I just get over-enthusiastic and it's almost to shut me up that they will play a game in order so that I get it out of my system. So maybe it's just be over-enthusiastic, be the squirrel girl, and, ah, this is fantastic, this is brilliant. Um, and I think, to be honest, when I pitched this question, I think in my head there was the element of, for most groups, the, the thing that you hear a lot is that, you know, being a GM is enough. If someone has got a game and they're going to bring it to the table, everybody else is almost so relieved that someone else is going to run for them, that they'll just play whatever. But if you're getting resistance to a thing, I think you just got to look at what did they enjoy? What did the group like? And find the similarities. You know, oh, you liked this game because it was system heavy. Well, we've got some crunch here. This is how you do it. You're, you know, if you're a... Um, min-maxer then you know this is how you can play with if you're into the you know playing the angst tortured hero these are the concepts you can play with and it's hitting people where where they are and what they like and if you know your group and if you've played stuff with them before then it probably you know you're halfway there but i think the other thing is you know it's, it's always you liked this how about you try this you know yeah. that would be my rambling go-to <laughs> Perfect. And uh, I mean, also, if you just can't seem to crack it, write your uh, blurb for your local con and go run the mm. game at a local con because it just get it out of your system. I agree that you can there's almost any way to get your group to to find common ground and get a get a consensus. But sometimes they're just not interested in you know whatever that is they're just that not that kind of group so there is a there is a limit to everybody i think <laughs> oh yeah so yeah but thank you everyone for this lovely late night early morning discussion a spirited discussion ben is there anything you'd like to uh uh, uh promote right now or su suggest you somebody you'd like to uh -huh. Uh, well, the only thing I could probably think, um, I, if you search for me on DriveThruRPG, you'll find the mad rantings of things that I've put out in the past. Most of the published work that I've done, um, is unfortunately, and this goes back to licensing, is now no longer in production because 
um, EM Publishing lost the 2018 license. So most of my books you can find, but you'll find them secondhand. Um, but yeah, I tend to write uh, uh, stuff for Fading Suns. Um, I've written some stuff for um, the Amazingly Cheerful Engine, which is a rules light game that is kind of Saturday morning TV show, very parody tongue in cheek stuff. I wrote the Bite Me supplement, which is kind of Scooby Doo meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, so you can find all that stuff on Drive Through RPG. Um, but yeah, otherwise, just keep listening to the show because I love you guys. Well, I, I appreciate that a great deal. And everyone should come on the Discord and talk sci-fi and 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 superheroes with more good good old ben here and uh and it's a fantastic time and i will link your drive-through page in the show notes so oh, you can go see you. what see what's up there that's still uh not been ruined by yeah. licensing agreements <laughs> um yeah so I really appreciate Kayla and Nolan being up so late. Uh, their time zone is worse than mine for talking to England. So I really appreciate you guys. Nah, anytime. All right. And uh, thanks to patrons. Thank the patrons, Ben being one, not one, <laughs> uh, for uh, supporting us. Um and I think we're going to. I think we're we're getting some momentum again. So not in the pledges, which I could we could we've lost a few lately, but understandably so. Um, but I think we we need the show is getting back on its feet, and uh, I I think we're we're moving forward. So if you could go ahead and go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/FullMetalRPG, uh, and you get access to the to the inner circle of the discord where the patrons get to uh give me a, as much or as little shit as they want and or ask questions because soon i'm gonna have to like start asking more questions for the last question or when i i uh i'm not being lazy and i can ask them individual questions when we ha we need more questions on a topic for the guest so patreon.com slash uh, is uh, is very important to keep the the show on the road, as it were. Uh, if you have anything uh, you'd like to uh, send me uh, via email, fullmetalrpgbiz at gmail.com, or go to fullmetalrpg.com uh, and look at our link tree and go to the Discord, and we have the merch. Like I've got my my two titan titanic uh, uh monsters fighting on my shirt today that says fulmar upper g that's a lot of fun and uh we do put that on put this on youtube uh if that's your thing full metal rpg official on youtube uh and yeah, uh, just subscribe on youtube just to start <laughs> yeah i mean we're we're doing pretty well but i mean i i think there's no way we're anywhere near some sort of button showing up so but you can see my stupid beard that i've just trimmed and all our lovely faces so uh thank you very much everyone have a good night thanks guys Rock.